Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Now let's face it, everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game, and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers a line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on the racetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming to you this week. Uh, I'll be having a chat to Ben Barguana, of course. Uh, the Speed Series started last weekend at Sandown, and Ben did extremely well, winning two out of three races in the TCR category on the weekend. Richard Quayle is up at Bathurst. He'll be having a chat with Mark Walker. They'll be previewing this weekend's Bathurst 12-hour. All that to come, and plenty of other things too, as well, right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, let's kick off the show with our interview with Ben Barguana, who had a fantastic weekend at Sandown on the weekend. It's part of the Speed Series in the TCR Australia category. Congratulations, Ben, and welcome on your two out of three wins from the weekend. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Tell us about the weekend for you, buddy. It started off well, it finished off well, and it could have been three out of three, but uh, a, a tough race in, in race two. Yeah, oh, look, amazing weekend, start to finish. Um, I knew, like, the car rolled out in practice, an absolute jet, so I knew we were on for a really good weekend. Uh, qualified P3, which was awesome. Um, and I knew if I could get to the lead in that first race, then and we could definitely challenge for a race win, and, and we did. Um, and then reverse grid for race two, so... Makes it a little bit harder, but we made up three or four spots in that race, so it wasn't too bad. Um, but that's all I needed to do to, to start on the on the front row for the last race, and and we got the lead again, and yeah, we took off. So the car was just faultless all weekend, and it was just yeah, an awesome weekend start to finish. Take us take us through a weekend like that when the car just rolls out of the truck, and as soon as you start it and go for that first warm up lap, that first <laughs> practice lap, you go. Oh, hang on a minute. This is all right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's pretty rare that happens. You, you normally, you, you always want it, but uh, it never quite works that way. So, you know, you, for me, I, I felt it straight away, even before I turned turned a lap. I, I just, the car felt really awesome rolling out, out of pit lane. So I knew it wasn't far out of the window and we just did some work over practice. We didn't really change too much, but yeah, eventually the car was uh, an absolute rocket ship, so it was, it was quite nice. <laughs> and a, a different start of the year for you guys too. Normally, the last couple of years, you started down at Simmons Plains in Tasmania. This year, getting the first run at what is sort of a, a home track for you, I suppose, at Sandown. Absolutely. It's quite nice, actually. I get to sleep in my own bed and start the year off <laughs> on a really positive note. So, I, I, look, I love Sandown, so it's great to start there first. And we're normally there at the end of the year, so a bit different this year, but... Look, it's still it's still racing at Sandown, so we've still got to do the job, and, and we did. A lot of familiar names in the uh, TCR competition again this year, and one guy that has also put his hand up to say he's going to be up the front for most of the year, Josh Bucken. You had a good dice with him in uh, in race two? Absolutely. Look, Josh Josh kept me honest all weekend. Um, he was on my tail in, in race one and three, and, and even race two, he, he gave me a bit of a nudge as well. So, um Hopefully it's all year I'm racing with Josh because he's a really talented steerer um, and he's got a lot of speed in that Hyundai. So um, I was pretty happy I could I could beat him this weekend. But yeah, hopefully he's there battling with me all year. Uh, ben, I think we we're, were talking with it with a couple of guys last year. I think even Josh towards the end that 2023 seemed to be a, a year of maturity for TCR Australia. It was a year that sort of things really stood out and, and sort of the, the the competition said, we are here and we are fair income. And I think a lot had to do also with the European guys that came out towards the end of the year that really validated the, the category. Oh, 100%. I could not agree more. Um, last year was probably definitely the strongest we've seen in the TCR field. Um, and I think it's just because everyone's starting to learn these cars. The teams are learning them. The drivers are learning them. Um, it's now five five years of TC or this year's five yeah. years of TCR in Australia. So um, we're all just learning and more. And I think um, sometimes you think you know what you're doing, and then when we race against the guys like the Europeans, we sort of get a bit of a wake up call, and and we get shown how it's how it's actually done. So I definitely think we learned a lot. Um, the whole field learned a lot from racing those two World Tour rounds because um, those guys do it completely different to what we do and they do it at a much higher level. So I think this year is going to be learn all those learnings to be put into action this year. And I think this year is going to be the strongest yet for sure. You got your eyes opened a little bit on that last year. You had the opportunity like the other guys did at SMP and Bathurst to race against them. But then that opportunity you got at Macau, take us through that weekend. Oh, that yeah, amazing. I, to race at Macau was like a dream come true. And it's one of the coolest motorsport events in the world. Like, it's just amazing. And to be part of it was awesome. But look, the, the weekend went really well. Um, we made Q2, which was which was really strong. We had a great race one, um, considering how many laps I've turned around that place. And it's a pretty crazy racetrack. So, um, and then, yeah, look, the race two uh, had a really big crash myself, which was, which was unfortunate, but... Um, look, at the end of the day, it was a mistake I made. I put my hand up and, and I learned a lot from that. I, I really learned a lot from that uh, weekend. And I think it probably helped me be a better driver for the first round this year, for sure. Um, but even though it ended in a crash, it was definitely one of the best weekends I've had at a racetrack. It's just 
totally unique experience. And and as I said, that that motorsport event is one of the coolest. Even as a spectator, I think that would be a bucket list thing for sure because it's so cool. 2023 was also an extremely busy year for you as well with your S5000 stuff also. You, you had close to about 40 different race weekends. <laughs> yeah, it was a very busy year. Um, and I did two other World Tour rounds at yeah. Spa and, and um, right. Portugal. So travelled the world a bit, um, did some S5000 stuff. I, at, at November, at the end of the year, I had four race meetings in a row from Sydney, Bathurst, Macau, and then Adelaide and the S5000. So it ended pretty busy, that's for sure. Um, but it's good. I could, I just got it. I just got my bum in a race car and did lots of laps, and I've definitely improved as a driver because of it. Uh, S five thousand, the demise of sad. Ah, uh, very sad. Um, it's an amazing category. It's just um, the way things are going. It's a bit hard at the moment. But look, I wouldn't rule out a comeback for it. Um, it's hard to know what the future looks like, but I think. Look, it, it, it's one thing in the right direction, but the license change might potentially help it in the future. Obviously, that's just that's just a guess because I don't I don't really yeah. know. But um, it is sad because S five thousands are so awesome. The racing might like from a spectator point of view, they might not be that amazing. But if you're at the track, they are incredible. They're so loud. They're so fast. Um, and I think. I think for me as well, like one of the first experiences I got, I, I watched someone like a, a Joey Mawson go through turn one at SMP in an S5000 <laughs> and you just like, you just stand back How like far that? out. That is yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. So look, they're cool cars and it is sad for sure. Uh, of course, the family history uh, with you has been more so around touring cars and more so even probably in Australia around supercars and the like that, the reason you haven't given Super Tour a, a proper shot and has gone to TCR instead, is there a reason for that? Uh, look, at the end of the day, when in this business, you, you sort of get one shot um, and that's that's the only shot you end up getting. So I think for us, we just want to make sure, in a sense, we do the apprenticeship um, and, and I learn everything I can before I make a step like that. Um, because if we do we do find the funding and, and make that decision. We want to make sure we're, we're maximizing the opportunity and getting it right. So then when we do, uh, so let's say two years of super two, we're ready to step into a supercar. And when I say we, I mean me and my family, yeah, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think obviously money is a big thing as well. Um, our, our partners and our sponsors have, have all been really happy with the TCR thing. So um at the moment, we're just working with what we've got, um, and I'm still young, so there's yep. no. I don't. We don't find a rush to to get straight into a supercar. I think if the, the time comes, the time comes, and I want to make sure I'm ready for an opportunity like that. But my heart is set on TCR at the moment, so I just love it. I love it that much. <laughs> well, I was going to say the opportunities that you got through to 2023 has it sort of opened your eyes to, and most young Australians like yourself want to drive supercars, but have your eyes now been open to the fact that, hang on, maybe there's more to racing than just supercars. Maybe there is something in making a living worldwide on TCR. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, travelling the world and racing TCR, the world, uh, yeah, world tour, um, it's definitely lit a fire inside of me because that that scene or you know that atmosphere over there is is electric like you just 
makes you want to be part of it. Um, and seeing how those world tour guys, those world touring car drivers operate, it's like I just want to be part of it. I, yeah. I absolutely love TCR. And, and then to race it, I guess the pinnacle of TCR would be an absolute dream come true. Not to say that, you know, winning the 1000 like my dad wouldn't be a dream come true as well. But um, look, I think TCR is new for us in Australia and it's it's definitely an exciting opportunity for sure. You've been loyal to Peugeot in your time in TCR. Has there been any feedback from the uh, the factory teams or the like about something down the track maybe? Uh, oh, look, we've, look, we've been in contact with them a lot. And when I went to Belgium, I got a tour around Peugeot Sport, which was one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's an opportunity with Peugeot, I say, is probably a long way away. Um, but... Uh, look, I'm pretty loyal. I guess I'm loyal to the brand. Um, I've been with it every year in TCR, and I I love Peugeot. So, um, and and GRM are building and developing the brand new Peugeot. So, um, who know? Like who knows? Really, Peugeot are focused on their WEC program. Um, if somewhere down the line I could be involved in the WEC program, that would be a really <laughs> really cool dream come true. But uh, yeah, look, it's hard to say. But we have been in contact a lot. So, and they seem to like the results I get, which is good. Yeah, nice. Uh, I, I can't see you just driving TCR this year. The, I, I, now that you, you had 2023, where it was such a busy year, I've just got a feeling that you'll probably want that again this year. Are there any thoughts or are there any uh, irons in the fire as to where you might get a couple of other drives in 2023? Uh, look, absolutely. I, I would love to drive as much as I can. Um, but, you know, it's hard. We, we need to find the money, I guess. Yeah. Um, but look, we're, we're definitely working our asses off to make opportunities happen left, right and centre. Um, but if, if we can't make anything happen, then at least we've got the TCR Australia series and we can work towards something next year. Um, nothing's locked in yet. So I can't, I would love to give you an answer there. No, no, but all right. We, we don't even know ourselves yet. So we're, we're definitely working on opportunities. Um, obviously we talked about S5000 not being there. So I'd like to, be, I don't know, get my ass in something else. If mm. I can, uh, and I would love to get back overseas if I can. So we're yeah, we're working our asses off to try and make it happen. And uh, the feeling around GRM heading into that first race, yeah, oh, really good. Um, I have a new engineers here, which um, Lucas, who, who's pretty much been with GRM for a while, and he's developed a sort of Peugeot program, I guess, and TCR program. But this is my first year working with him. And him and I have just been really excited for this first round and, and even the, the new Peugeot that's coming. Um, and I think after a weekend like we just had, I think our spirits are quite high for sure. Yeah. Um, but the team's really happy. I mean, even in the Trans Am side for GRM, Moff won all three races. So we had a pretty good weekend. Uh, and Jordan Cox won the reverse grid race. So um, GRM won six races last, yeah, last weekend. Uh, so the spirits are very high in the team. And we're all we're all very very excited for this new Peugeot as well. Um, we're all working really hard to to make sure it's a rocket ship. Simmons Plains hasn't been your favourite track in a TCR car. I don't think you've had amazing results there. How do you how do you change that? Uh, look, it's it's definitely a tough car for the Peugeot, um, but. Look, we were close to a podium last year and then we had a drive shaft failure and, and things like that. Um, I, I, I think 
Honestly, I think uh, now that I've got 40 kilos of weight after this weekend, I think I just want to have three decent finishes and yeah. then um, probably lose that weight for Phillip Island and, and have a real crack at Phillip Island because we know the Peugeot is strong there. So um, as long as I can just have three finishes because DNFs are, are really tough in this in this category. So um, I just think it's a car car track thing. The Peugeot is not amazing at, at heavy braking zones and um and in hot temperatures either so uh, but in saying that anything can happen on the weekend um and if the car's like i had at sand down then i i would say it's going to be a good yeah. weekend <laughs> and, and we know about tcr now that it is you're right good quality finishes in every race are better you're not going to win every race because the competition's so good that there's going to be multiple winners we know that's going to happen so you're absolutely spot on just get yourself up in the top five top six every race build those points up and a championship could be yours. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how Tony Del Delberto did it. Yeah, he, correct. He didn't quite win every race, but the one round where his car was really strong, he won the races he needed to win. And and at the end of the day, he was the champion. So, um, and with this reverse grid thing, it makes things really tricky, and you just got to you just got to really get finishes because <laughs> yeah. DNS was zero points. Are just and and that's what happened to me last year. I had too many things that were just out of our control. And too many DNFs, and it just I was ended up nowhere by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, finishes are key for sure. Do you head up to Bathurst for the twelve hour? Uh, no, I'm not actually. I'm I'm doing a bit of driver coaching with a friend of mine this weekend. So, I will be watching it on TV for sure, though, because I do love the twelve hour. Yeah, and then uh, of course Simmons Plains. I think the middle of March, and then the week after Simmons Plains, I think it's the Australian Grand Prix back here in Melbourne. So, plenty of motor racing. And good quality motor racing coming our way. I think we've even got the uh, the World Superbikes at Phillip Island in two weekends time. So some real good quality stuff heading Absolutely. into Australia over the next few weeks. Mate, thanks for your time, Ben. Really do appreciate it. Congratulations on a great start to the season in Sandown. And we look forward to chatting to you a little bit later on down the track to see how you're going. Absolutely. This has been an awesome chat. Thank you so much. Good on you, mate. Ben Barguana joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next. On the grid. Right, welcome to the second half of the show. Crail and Walker taking over from Shebex. Uh, we add that we have no context with what's already been discussed in the program because we're recording the second half of the show before the first half is put together. Mark, uh, hello to you. Welcome to week two of On the Grid for this year. A big week in sports. Looking forward to what's to come and an enjoyable weekend at Big Bad Sandown as well. Yeah, you're ruining the magic of the pod there, Richard. It's all just smoke and mirrors, mate. I feel like we need to let people in behind the curtain, the veil that is the magic of the recording of On The Grid. By, by chance, do you have a bit on this week? Just a smidgen. It's not as if you just came out of commentating all weekend at Sandown and into possibly the biggest week. Is this the biggest week of the year for our trial? Uh Potentially. Yeah, I, I from a uh, personally, it probably is because it's an event that I am quite uh, closely tied to and have been for some time, and it means quite a lot. But yeah, it probably is. It, there's a bit going on. I won't lie; it's well, substantial. You, you know, you're going to talk for you know, thirteen hours on Sunday. What, what's the prep like for that? You know, you obviously do a lot of prep for all your commentary. All the commentators do. That's what hmm. professionals do. But uh, is there anything that you tend to do to keep the voice going what what are the little secrets there behind the curtain 
Uh, well, that's a good question. And uh, on Saturday at the Shannon Speed Series round, it um, had some issues. So for a 20-minute Formula Open race, so it doesn't <laughs> bode particularly well for the weekend, does it? Um, Voice-wise, no. Large supply of butter menthols, always important. Uh, drink lots of water, and that's basically it. Um, the, the secret juice for commentary as well is pineapple juice. Right. For whatever reason, I don't know why, pineapple juice of all of the liquids is the best for looking after your throat. So we always have some pineapple juice in the commentary box uh, for dire moments when you have a bit of a cough and uh, you get it going. But um, butter menthols are often handy just to, to keep around and, um, yeah, lots of water. From a, a prep point of view, this event actually is kind of different for me because I live it so much in the lead up. I spend a lot of time writing releases and um, announcing drivers. And through that process, you build up quite a familiarity with um, both the team and the key people you need to know and what they've done and who they are and the drivers as well. So from a, a note-taking point of view, it's it's probably not as rigorous in all honesty, as some of the other events where you don't have that familiarity. But it's simple stuff like um, I've done some prep for qualifying on Saturday, which is an amazing session, and we all love a, a Bathurst qualifying session. It's one of the great moments of the year. And I'm just diving into things like where Maro Engel got all his time last year, for example, in that unbelievable pole lap, 2 minute point eight eight, whatever it was. Um, and it was all in the middle sector. And he was yeah. three tenths of a second quicker than anybody else in the middle sector. But he wasn't the quickest guy across the top of Mount Panorama last year in the 12 hour. So that's the kind of little thing you like to dig up and just have filed away to roll out when it comes to, um, when it comes to the point, I'm not going to tell you who it is by the way, but it was someone else who made the top 10 in qualifying. Who's pretty good across the top of the mountain, but um, yeah, stuff like that, that, you put a bit of effort into and, and work out and just brushing up on some of the internationals that may not have been here for a while. So went into my Kelvin van der Linde stats file and dug that out and um, a bit of Lawrence Van Thor who hasn't been here for a couple of years and just brushed up on those guys to see you're familiar when they roll out. And um, yeah, so you can talk about them like you've been talking about them all year. Have you been doing any Richie Benno calisthenic style name pronunciations? Any of the new drivers on the list they're particularly all, difficult? They're all pretty good this year, I reckon. Oh, got it. They're all pretty good. Adam Christodolu, that takes a little little bit of work. <laughs> it's not too bad, though. But it's nice to – I suppose it's um, how much mayo you want to put on it. Like Marcus Winklehock, or you can do it properly, which is Marcus Winklehock. And you put put a little bit more uh, put a little bit a little bit more German into it. Um, the interesting one for me is the factory KTM driver, Mark. Yes. Yep. Um, and I feel like it, what a great surname because Laura Krayhammer is her name. So half of my surnames in that, which is pretty good. Oh, so I like that. So amazing. Um, but that's that's about it. Um, yeah, the internationals this year are pretty pretty good um from a, a naming point of view there's no real tongue twisters they are great they are fantastic racing surnames though Vanderlinder is the best name to call <laughs> mid-race aside from the fact that both of those boys often do crazy stuff um it's just a good name to get out in commentary here comes Vanderlinder. just sounds right i don't know so we've got about 
what's it, 11 pro classification cars this year. And I mean, the race is wide open. If you mm. try and pick a winner out of that lot at this stage of the ball game, uh, a very difficult task. I mean, where's the form lie? I mean, I sort of stop at the bottom of the list there in the Manthe mm. EMA car of Campbell, Vanthor and Gouven. Yeah. They look pretty stout. I mean, it's not like Matty Campbell just won himself a big watch. Yeah, no, exactly right. And he'd love to get uh, a local one for winning Bathurst as well. It's a great combination. It's a really good combination. That If there's a weak link, and it, it's, it's impossible to call Ayankin Gouven a weak link because he's not. Um, he is a professional young Porsche driver, races sports cars, DTM races just about every one make Porsche championship in the world. In fact, one of the few he hasn't raced in is here in Australia yet. Um, mm. But he is properly fast. Uh, Van Thor is one of the most spectacular drivers I've ever seen at Mount Panorama. What he did back in the Audi days when those cars had probably not favorable BOP, um, his solution to their straight line speed deficit was to drive the car faster across the top of the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> which which on paper sounds entirely reasonable, but when you get to Mount Panorama, it's just not. Um, so he's that, that's a really good car. EMA and Manti did a really nice job last year. Probably the only question mark is the the 992, is that it's never mm. been to Bathurst before, so we don't quite know where the BOP will sit for that car and, and how it will go. But, yeah, look, from a Porsche package, it's pretty, pretty good. It's a strong team, and um, they were... They were so good last year, but you're right. There, there are contenders everywhere. The big question for me, Mark, is where the BMWs play mm. out this year. And and last year they were fast in qualifying. Um, it's the first time we'd seen the M4 GT3 in the mountain. They were really good in quali. They they said post race that there was some BOP. They thought the BOP perhaps wasn't quite favourable to them from a straight line speed point of view. My question to that was was that around their um the boost requirements that they have to run as part of the balance of performance. They're the only turbocharged car in the outright battle for the race this year. And last year it got properly smoking hot during that race. And we all know that turbocharged cars don't like massively hot air. So I was wondering if that might've been part of their problem and whether that might be more favorable to them this year, the forecast is going to be warm, but certainly not scorching. So I'm interested to see where they land um, and the other thing for mine with the WIT cars is that they've gained Raffaele Marciello, which mm. is, um, yeah, which is impressive. That guy is phenomenal to watch at Bathurst. He's got a pole. He's got a couple of podium finishes. He's always exciting. So that that adds to that 46 car quite considerably. They're in, they're in really good shape. You, you mentioned Audi there, and I find it interesting that a couple of the lead MPC cars have taken a leaf out of the winning book from the last couple of years where they've got an AM driver in there but mm. they're classified as pro. So there's none of that uh, time restrictions on the AM driver in those combinations, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I, it's funny. I was talking to both Liam Talbot and Brad Schumacher about this on Sunday night in Melbourne at the MA Awards. They both got a gong for winning their classes in GT World Challenge last year. And, and they've they've balanced out the desire to want to race um against their, six hours themselves well basically yeah they, they've balanced out that that desire to have lots of track time with a desire to win bathurst yeah um and they've seen what sun energy one have done the last year with the, the what we call the kenny rule which is um long story short in pro-am if you're entered in pro-am and you're the bronze driver you have to do 
a big chunk of the race. It works out to be about two and a half to three hours. And the other requirement around that, that catches them out is that you have to do at least one stint in the second half. And that's, that's the deciding stint generally, because that's when you start winding your pros up to race towards the final hour. So if you enter your car in pro and you're a bronze ranked driver, there's no drive time requirements whatsoever outside of those for your pro drivers who can do 340 minutes. So they can get almost the whole race. It works out to be 40 minutes that your AM driver has to do. So yep. Kenny Habul last year, I think he did about 75. Um, and that was his contribution to the race, but he won Bathurst. Uh, yep. Gunon and Lucas Stolz did the rest of the heavy lifting. So that's the, that's the outcome that MPC have gone for. So Brad Schumacher's got Marcus Winkelhock and Ricardo Feller. Awesome. Um, and uh, Liam Talbot has got Chris Haza, who's been there plenty of times, um, and Kelvin Vanderlinder, who's been crazy there in the past, and he's set the fastest lap twice. He's qualified second to Chaz Mostert twice um, in the 12-hour, so if, I doubt Mostert will beat him to pole this year because he's in a Jetty 4 car, but if he does, he's going to have a small well, connection. Right. <laughs> have a real drama. But um, so, I mean, they're both great. And Liam... Liam is probably on balance the best pro-am driver, potentially, you'd argue, at least. Mm. Um, he and Yasser, certainly. Um, and Brad Schumacher's really speedy at Bathurst too. They're, they're great combinations. Uh, they, they're going to be factors. If they play their cards right, they get that drive time right for Schumacher and Talbot and when to put them in the car. Um, you know, you'll see the pros doing all of the second half of the race. And if they stay on the lead lap, they're... they're proper chances if if vanderlinder mark is in an audi on the lead lap with an hour to go yeah there is no way possible you could rule that car out of a victory i think it's going to be very interesting to see how some of these supercar drivers go you know we've mm. seen them do very well in the past we saw brock feeney he absolutely smashed it last year he's there with will brown you've got uh the lounge waters randall car you've got yeah randall's in there with fraga and engel i mean they're bound to come second again aren't they well, but those Aussie pros are yeah. going to be right in the mix. Yeah, correct, exactly. That um, group of M one was a surprise to me when they confirmed that with us that Davey Reynolds was in it. Not a bad surprise. Like, I mean, Dave's a a properly great race car driver. He's got a lot of experience in GT cars at Bathurst. Former Carrera Cup champion. Last time he was there in a Mercedes AMG, twenty nineteen, he qualified second before the shootout. So right mm. at the end of qualifying, he banged up into second place in what I think is still the best, the, the closest GT3 field we've ever had there. Um, so he, he is entirely capable, but it was a slightly left of field addition for Grupa M to go down that road, but I love it. I think that's cool. Philippe Fraga's awesome. He's experienced and Maro Engel, we all know and know what he's capable of. But yeah, I mean, he's pretty desperate now to not be the Glenn Seaton of the Bathurst 12 hour because he's had every other result except a win. Um, and he keeps, yeah, keeps, they keep finding ways to not win that race, which is so frustrating because they've been really, really good. The other one I love, um, from a, a wildcard driver selection, and you know where I'm going with this is craft bamboo, um, mm. and picking the juice. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So Jaden did a great job for Valenti Rosso in world challenge last year with Danny Junkadella and Maxi goats. That's a cool combination. And Jaden. I mean, he could he could end up being the guy that qualifies that car potentially. Mm. He's certainly quick enough. So, so we, we've run an awful lot of names there, but mm. the problem is they're all in the same race as Jules Gunon. Yeah, it's a disadvantage, isn't it? 
Unlucky. It's disadvantage. I want to see that bloke in a supercar, Mark. Got to happen. In October. Like, you get Kevin Estra, and he was awesome. But what Gunon has done at that joint, and the thing that gets me with Jill Gunon, I don't think, like, he's got emotion, right? And we've, like, his celebrations have been awesome. He gets up on the roof, roof, he does his own version of the James Courtney Frank the Tank thing, and, like, he's properly passionate about it. But I don't, A, I don't think he's got any fear, and B, I don't think he feels pressure at all, ever. Like, you look at the three times he's won that race, each of them there's been some form of significant pressure applied in the closing hour that he has just fended off as if, as if just brushing a fly away from his face. 2020, the Bentley, the rear tyre blew down Conrad Strait um, at Warp 9, and he calmly kept the car straight, peeled off straight into pit lane, still won the race. 2022, spent the last two and a half hours of the race with Mauro Engel never more than 10 seconds behind him, banging out lap times, trading fastest laps under enormous pressure and won. And then last year got fenced by Mauro, <laughs> pirouetted off through the grass, um, regrouped, and then had to spend the last 13 laps fending off M. Campbell in a Porsche that was bouncing off the scenery trying to find a way past and just was completely unflappable. But the bloke is incredible what he's achieved. Um, and he truly gets... He gets the Bathurst thing too. Yeah. He understands why it's special. And I love I love that more than anything else is that he genuinely comes here going, this is the most important thing. I'm desperate to win this race. And that is just so, so really cool for a guy of his um, international quality. Uh, and one last dark horse from me. It's the second of the AAA cars, Prince Jeffrey, Jordan Love and Jamie Wincup. I mean, yeah. they've, if race miles count for anything, they have logged a lot of them and they've had success so far this year. Sharpest attack coming off two victories in the Asian Le Mans series at uh, Yas Marina on the weekend, which is awesome. So Jordan Love and the Prince were there. Luca Stoles was the third driver. So Luca slides into the Sun Energy car this weekend. So he's just a sharp. Um, Good combo. Good combo. Mm. Prince Jeffrey was pretty impressive last year in World Challenge in the rounds he did. Uh, And Jordan Love has been in Mercedes cars now for a season and um, he's one of their junior Mercedes AMG juniors uh, and that bloke wing cup, you know, he's done a little bit of stuff. So I think they will be, um, yeah, that'll be good. So that, that's a pro am car, but, but they're like, we always talk about with this race. So they are entered in pro am, unlike the pro am combinations entered in pro. So the chances of them winning outright are lower, but if they can stay on the lead lap, there's no reason why with a Jordan Love or Jamie Wincup behind the wheel, they couldn't be a contender in that last half if they if they stay on the lead lap during the, the AM driver stints. So that, that's what makes this race so cool is that there's 11 pros, but in reality, there's probably 15 cars that can win the race all going well. Well, Bathurst, that's going to be big. Big two weeks up on the mountain. Um, looking forward to getting up there week two, but... Uh, You'll be out there, have a bit of a holiday between that, no doubt. You'll get a, a couple of minutes to yourself. Yeah, there's some activities planned, I'm told. There's a group of uh, of officiating people staying. I think all of race control are staying between the two. Um, there's been talk of games of golf, which I certainly won't get involved in because that sounds like a terrible way to ruin a walk. But um, I think we might, Mark, um, probably visit our good friends at Reckless Brewing once or twice. Oh, straight um, same for me. Yep, yeah, no, no, that, that will be a thing. Don't worry. Um 
Yeah, I, yeah, I'm looking for. I'm actually looking forward to the week staying up here between them. When we did that in uh, Big Bathurst, Big Bad Bathurst in 2021, um, we all came up directly from City Motorsport Park because no one was allowed home mm. at that point, and uh, we had a thoroughly enjoyable week just in in B Town. And I I went to nine different coffee shops. I just went what? to a different coffee shop every day. I, hope, I, hope, I wish it was the same day. That would have been a great well, uh, I was adventure for you there. Bouncing off the ceilings. But, um, yeah, Bath- Bathurst has, uh, well, I think, one of the great coffee cultures in um, in Australia. So, um, yeah, I'll be visiting some of those. Looking forward to it. But 12 hours is going to be awesome. Um, as we record this, uh, my international colleagues are on their way. Um, broadcast team, um, when does this go out? Wednesday. It'll be announced by then. So we can tell you that, um, unfortunately, Barrett's uh, not, here this year he's been committed to some other duties on the screens of seven um fairly capable replacement in the form of one jay perkins though so oh, uh, i know him yeah yep. yeah capable uh so he'll be there um chadley will be hosting um shay adam in pit lane with them and um my mates john hindoff an old five-time uh g tander in the commentary box as well so it should be a um should be a ripping car race i think good combo uh be on the screens of seven and K on Fox Sports as well. So uh, lots of coverage everywhere. Correct. You'll be pocket KOing that on uh, race day, I imagine. You, your, your lawns are going to cop a 12-hour mow, aren't they? Oh, look, there's not going to be any grass left. There's going to no. be a lot of laps and it's going to yep. be very low cut. And, yep. uh, yeah. I understand Good. that. That's fine. Absolutely. Uh, let's shift our attention, shall we, to the weekend just gone. The Shannon Speed Series kicked off their new year uh, at Sandown International Motor Raceway in downtown Springvale, Melbourne. And uh, an interesting weekend. Slim program, yes. Can we talk about weather first? Like that is... Bloody hot. It was hot. But I don't recall a more pleasant weekend out at that place. No, it was spot on. Spectacular. Our colleague and friend of the show, Aaron Noonan and I, went and watched on Sunday, the first TCR race and the first half of the Trans Am race before they cannon themselves into turn four. And we sat up there in the grandstand um, with a refreshing beverage of the non-alcoholic variety, because we still have work to do, uh, and watched that racing. There was a legitimate crowd there, and mm. they were ooing and ahhing at all the right moments. They applauded loudly when the winner crossed the line. Um, the breeze was blowing through the stand. It was in full shade. It was a genuinely nice afternoon at the races. Thoroughly enjoyable. Can we hot and lot this stuff? I think we should. Let's hot and not things. Uh, let's dive into the hots first, shall we? And I know you will have done a significant amount of preparation on this. Oh, look, I'm a bit all over the shop, but I think an early bolter for possible hot hot of the year is the Davison family. Have you seen this? Richard Davison was presented with his 1978 Hawk Formula Ford mm. that he used to claim second in that championship. Heart, it's just beautiful, heartwarming stuff. He's in tears as his family presented his old race car to him. So, uh, I didn't know that getting a Formula Ford was an option for your birthday, but uh, <laughs> now that it is, I might put that. I've got a big one coming up this year. I might put that on the list. Formula Ford, <laughs> cool. Is that it to the Aussie racing car? Surely. So uh, Sandown this weekend, it's uh, the Vic State Race Series kicks off. Now get a load of these numbers: twenty-eight Formula Fords, twenty-one Formula Vs, twenty-seven HQ Holdens, thirty-one mm. Lanatec backed XLs, twenty-three MGs and friends, twenty-seven Porsche nine four fours and friends. 18 saloon cars, 20 sports sedans, 19 Vic V8s, 214 starters, oh. a little over a little over four times the entry that yes. we had last weekend. So apparently you can get big fields to Sandown in February. 
And of course, it's all live on Blendline TV. Mm. I'd say multi-screening will be your friend this weekend. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people using up a lot of bandwidth. Yeah, well, they will. Good grids. How much Armco will be removed from the gene pool, do you think? Well, we did a pretty good job on the weekend, and I think people... Um, yeah, no, all of it. Sorry, I was just <laughs> yeah, no, you <laughs> no, it's all bugged. Yeah, no. <laughs> At least they're, they're they're running to the time certain schedule still yeah, in the um, fixed state stuff, which I appreciate. So if you're a class that does muck up a lot, it's your time you're losing. So yeah. I, I like that. Um, the other thing that's on in Melbourne this weekend is the Rally Retro Fest over at Meetech. If you're hmm. never heard of it, look it up. We run a bit of a story on the Racetalk.com. Uh, old school rally cars of all eras blasting around a little super special stage right in front of you and it is super cool <laughs> and the thing is nobody's ever heard of it it is the coolest yeah. thing you've ever seen um but if you're in the eastern half of melbourne well worth checking out on sun uh, on saturday that is um actually one i've got to mention i didn't mention it last week was the formula sae i went and checked that out at call the park at the end of last year oh, and yeah. that was just an absolute revelation uh the Cars are cool, but the thing that I really liked was just the camaraderie amongst all the universities there. They were mm. from all over the region, all over Asia, all over the shop, uh, and they're all there watching each other, supporting each other, and clapping and cheering and carrying on. It was a really cool little event that they're going on there. So uh, end of the year, call to park, check that out. Um, hot goes to Jordan Taylor and his social media. <laughs> how, how he's only got 49,000 fans on Facebook mm. is a crime against the internet. It should he, he should have Taylor Swift numbers with the cool stuff that he does. It's so creative. Yeah. So go and check out his last post. It was just a, a sponsor break, but he did it perfectly. He did it better than anyone. Well, I want to go and buy a Honda now after that. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. You, like, yeah, it was awesome. I bought two. <laughs> um, it's Daytona 500 week. Yes. SVG. How will he go? Arca race and then the nationwide race. So mm. you'll have to find out. Uh, some sort of VPN set up so you can illegally stream it on another screen next to your 12-hour and your <laughs> Blendline TV. <laughs> you have to bludge some internet yeah. off the next-door neighbours to run that. But uh, that'll be interesting. Main race, the broadcast starts 5.30 Monday morning, which mm. I'm sure everyone after the 12-hour will be really stoked to back that yep. up. So yep. can't wait for that one. Uh, Bathurst, six-hour. Holy mm. smokes. 60-plus entries. You're kidding. And then you've got improved production, the World Championship of XL Racing, Pulsars, Super Minis, HQs and Formula Fords on the undercard. Yeah. Like that could yeah. be the spectating meeting of the year. I mean, I'll be the only person there, but I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. That'll be a good thing. Um, getting feedback for your stories on the racetalk.com. Yeah, positive, isn't it? Um, I mean, not, read all it. The, not all the feedback, but um, we'd like to thank people for their click, certainly. For uh, for reading it, interesting state of play in the Australian motorsport media world. Very interesting uh, state of play. You get an well, idea about what people are thinking too from the uh, feedback that comes back. I like. Also, it. Uh, hinges are hot. Hinges are hot. Never be unhinged, Richard. Take that no, in mind. no. Go to your local hinge department and have as hinge many up. hinges as you possibly can in stock. Uh, yes. Uh, one last one from me. The super cheap Nathan Murray launch video. That's yeah. another excellent use of yep. social media. Well done, Super Cheap Auto. You could just roll out an announcement, but they did it properly. They, uh, the Cooper Murray wildcard there, that was very, very nicely done. So well done to Super Cheap. Yep, outstanding. I like it. Mine are very brief uh, and focused on the weekend. While the program was slim, and while I think you probably would price your Sunday ticket differently if this was the case, I'm going to give a hot 
to a midday start on Sunday. I genuinely liked it. And a lot of people I spoke to enjoyed it as well because in the morning, your Sunday mornings, right? Middle of the weekend, you want to go out, have a breakfast, have a coffee, maybe go to a cars and coffee show like some of our team did. And then you amble out to the racetrack at midday and it's all over by four o'clock. So it's like the Saturday night stuff that we keep preaching about or Friday night stuff where you, you big bash motorsport, but on the traditional motorsport time slot. And I really genuinely felt a good vibe about that. And the opportunity to go and have a Sunday morning, whether it's with your family or your friends or whatever it might be, or have a lengthy production meeting as we did. Um, I think that's, I actually quite like it. You probably, probably you'd have to be cheaper in your ticket pricing to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And I understand that, but um, regardless of that, from the turnout there on Sunday, a genuinely good vibe in the grandstand when the weather was right I reckon there's something in that. I really think there is. And and this might be a way for promoters to be a little bit more creative about their scheduling um, to work out what they're doing. But I think you have to promote the fact that that's what you're doing. It's like we're giving you your Sunday back. You could do it Saturdays as well, Mark. And and Saturday yeah. perhaps is the better day to do it because of school sp- of um, kids' sport. So yeah. parents taking their but- kids away, things like that. Go back to what we were saying last week where they had the kids' push bike race at the mm. Speedway. Like, you could do that. Have a, a yeah. punter track walk, whatever, for a couple yep. of hours from 9 to 11 a.m., whatever. Yeah, you could do it like a charity are, run the track or... Whatever. There's any of number stuff. of little mm. sideshow things that they could do. You know, have a pit stop competition or whatever. Mm. Just uh, all sorts of different things that they could try and manufacture around that to fill that gap. Because there were people lined up there hours beforehand. But if yeah, you which give them something surprising. to do... Yeah, yeah. The the problem, the, the obvious negative is is and it's probably not, is that GT four didn't rock up and that was down to shipping mm. dramas and that was it's the story of the world. We've we've lost I'll get to that in a minute. Um it, it carried on to the Bathurst twelve hour. But um uh yeah, so that that, that was two hours of on track content that went missing because there would have been two one hour GT four races in, instead. So it was a force majeure kind of scenario. But yeah, I, I don't know, I really liked the vibe. I I liked that Sunday morning just sort of ease yourself into it and then be finished at a pretty reasonable time would go in. Uh, I'm going to give a hot to Clay Richards because he yeah. was really good. And and I love the Richards family and I love seeing them being competitive and the third generation doing great things as well. So well done getting into that good car, into the Cupra with MPC helping out. Rich Owen Sr. on the headset. Um, Clay was really impressive. Give a hot to Benny Barguana too. That's the best he's ever driven. And clearly all the world tour stuff he did at the back end of last yeah. season has really sharpened him up. So it's Is good he related that- to his father at all? Like just, just his celebrations? Just a smidge. Are you serious? It's scary, isn't it? Um but the fact that he um he's now a title contender, clearly. Um, and he wasn't really all the way last year. So I like that he's taken that step up. Good stuff. Um, hot to Josh Bucken and Todd Hazelwood, not necessarily for their on-track exploits, Mark, but for their on-air exploits. Irritatingly good as commentators, those two. Um, it, it causes Messrs. Nolte and Rust and myself and that to look over our shoulder because they are probably the, the next generation um, of, you know, of scafes or crompos or whoever it might be in the commentary box. Genuinely good talent. Josh with his quite quirky, ironic sense of humour in a way, and and Todd is quite good at analysis and very articulate about how he explains what's going on. So um, really enjoyed their handiwork on the seven coverage on the weekend. I thought that was very good. 
Um, hot as well to the people who actually worked out how to use 7 Plus. It's not rocket science. <laughs> It's really not. And there were a number of people on social media telling people who were complaining about it, no, all you do is this. It's not hard. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Because um, it really is the future. And uh, the seven plus numbers were apparently very strong. So um, thank you to the people that um, were able to drive it and helped communicate to others uh, how to do it as well. So um, enjoyed that. Um, hot, I yeah. think there was a lot, lot of positivity around it all online. Like I think a lot more people were chatting about it and on yeah. Facebook and whatnot. So the fact that it's free to wear, I think people were watching, yeah. and the the coverage that I saw was really good. Good, good uh, production values, good cameras, all that. Yeah. It all seemed to tick over very nicely, which I think is a, a good thing for that tier of the sport. Yep, agreed. Uh, we'll bring it home with a wet sail with your knots. Mine very briefly. Um, not the people that can't work out how to use 7 Plus. It's not that hard. <laughs> really. Download the app, open 7 Plus, search for Shannon Speed Series. Uh, it's it's literally that simple. Um, so get up to speed because that's how you're going to watch a lot of motorsport in the future. In fact, it's going to be how you watch a lot of sport in the future because the new AFL rights deal, 7 have digital rights for their games. So they'll be streamed on Plus as well. So um, you better better get around that. So start start working out and people will find a way to complain about something, even if it's gifted to them on a silver platter. Anyway, I could digress on that for <laughs> um, several podcasts of episodes. Um, not Trans Am what up at turn four. That, that was, was big, big, big shunt. Didn't need to happen. Trans Am's really cool this year. It's a great field, but part of their problem last year was that they tore up a lot of machinery over the course of the year. And that might've kept some people away um at the end of the year so we need to be a little bit careful on the driving standards in uh in trains am i think it needs a a little bit of a tune-up um that was really good uh well no it wasn't it was really bad but anyway um not race car drivers coming after our gigs um they're too good at commentary don't be good at yeah. commentary um yeah. genuinely generally very impressive so that's a not because that'll put us uh pretenders out of work pretty quickly um uh, and probably not has to go to Fernando Alonso because um, all the the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl um, probably just locks in the Kelsey Swift thing in perpetuity. So we could probably just rule a line through the Nando thing now. I would have thought um, after a Super Bowl, Taylor's now won the Super Bowl. She um, can't lose. Like that is such a loss for Aston Martin, isn't it? It's it's massive. It's massive. There, there was a story on the weekend, Mark, and I will digress slightly here, um, that Taylor Swift could influence the next election in the United States too. with who she endorses. Exactly. Um, imagine what she could have done for sales of the brand new Aston Martin Vantage GT3 oh. car that's just been launched. I mean, they would have sold a million of the things. Mm. So, mm. yeah, I, I think the dream's probably over there. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, you never know. Oh, well. Yep. Bring it home for us before we throw it back to the uh, on the grid studio and Tony Shabeki. Look, this is very disappointing, but I'm going to not the reckless brewing slash Bathurst twelve hour drone team partnership, Richard. What? Look, it, it's the absolute meeting of my two favourite things in the world, but I'm afraid that starting 2024 off on such a high is just unachievable for the rest of life. <laughs> so you're knotting it as a result. I'm knotting it because like everything else is garbage in comparison. Like I'm here living this meaningless life <laughs> after this weekend when there's no reckless brewing Bathurst 12 hour collab going on. Mm. 
I I only drink reckless beer. Like I literally, I don't drink any other time. Are you genuinely okay? I'm I'm concerned actually for your health about this. There are numbers you, you should call. Uh, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm a little worried. Yep. Anyway, mm. uh, the the PA on Saturday at Sandown, anyone that was in the crowd knows what I'm saying. It was horrendous and yep. that was garbage. Uh, Sandown security, standing knot. Who knew? Yep. I'll give you an update after this weekend as well. Just, uh, just on Sandown, that, how, yeah. many, how many security companies are there in Victoria? Because oh, we, but- I don't think we've seen a repeat at Sandown and we've been through at least 10. I don't know. Like, there's always someone who puts in the cheapest quote, isn't there? Yeah, clearly. Really? Uh, the grass at Sandown in mm. the outfield, given up on motorsport, it's all over. Uh, <laughs> black Formula One cars, what are your... Oh, yes. Well, when is a team just going to go, you know what, we're here for performance, we're just not doing stickers this year, team. Yep. We just yep. put a couple of numbers on it, we might just etch them into the side, but uh, we can't, can't afford the weight, team. Yep, that's a good knot. Garbage. Uh, mm. This isn't necessarily a nod. It's just an observation, but I had to put it somewhere. So here it goes. Uh, Topor, Topor International Motorsport Park. Yes. I hope I got that right. Yes. Uh, listen carefully to these numbers. It's three hours and 15 minutes from Auckland, four hours and 40 minutes from Wellington, i.e. where 1.8 million people live, 14 turns, 3.321 kilometres long. Average lap speed in a supercar will be about 138 k's an hour. Compare and contrast to Winton Raceway. Two hours, 20 minutes from Melbourne, a population base, 5.1 million. 12 turns, three kilometres long. Average speed, 136.71 kilometres an hour. Uh, Yeah, but look, I'm happy for New Zealand and their people who are willing to pay the money to get supercars over there. I'm just glad that they get, you know, one-twelfth of the supercars championship this year at an even more inconvenient version of Winton. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Good for them. I, it's not. I guess it's a not. It's yeah, no. To get out there. Fair point. Uh, and one last one to end on here. Uh, question for you. Uh, is Hyundai driver Mikel Azcona racing this weekend by any chance? Uh, he's not. There oh, is no Hyundai presence <sighs> in the Repco Bathurst 12 hour. Good. That's all I've got. Good knots. Thank you. We're going to throw it back to Shebex in the central commentary position in the On The Grid studios. Uh, we will be back with a full debrief of the b12 we think as an entire team potentially next week let's to be confirmed we'll come back to you on that one in the meantime let's go back to tony shebeki well thank you mark thank you richard and i can tell you that this part has been actually recorded after everything else so it is the end of the show thank you for joining us we'll catch you next week right here on the grid